welcome to Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTQ plus news and public affairs show featuring music, events, and interviews, both local and global. From the WFHB studios in Bloomington, Indiana, this is Blooming Out. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Blooming Out. I am Rachel Jones. And I'm Kim Hine. Thanks for joining us for a new edition of Indiana's only queer public radio show. We conveniently post a podcast, so if you can't listen live, you can hear us via the web at Blooming Out is always online at WFHB.org. Each week, we feature content by and for the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and ally communities. Our listeners can always count on us to cover the most pressing issues, interesting people, and latest events reflecting LGBTQ life. We will be looking at issues at home and abroad in the LGBT community this week. Our featured stories include an open discussion regarding Bloomington's recent perfect score from the Human Rights Campaign Municipal Equality Index. Our second story will focus on the issue of pinkwashing, a new discussion regarding the occupied West Bank in Gaza, Israel, and LGBT rights. And tonight we are featuring music by R&B artist Frank Ocean. Our featured story tonight is an open discussion on the perfect score earned by Bloomington given to the city this past week by the Human Rights Campaign. We will be discussing what the Municipal Equality Index measures, why Bloomington is the top performing municipality in Indiana, and is it earned or is it just hot air? Okay, what do you think, Rachel? So, so the index, uh, we, we received a perfect score on this... Uh, I think it's tough. Um, being a marginalized person that lives in the area, um, I think life for me is definitely much better, but some of the positions brought out by people who think maybe we didn't quite deserve this score, um, I think do have merit. Um, one of them being the homeless population. Right. Um, what do we do? And and, and uh, it was mentioned uh, that uh, the the People's Park issue, where um, earlier this year, a lot of the homeless population who uh, stayed in People's Park, that uh, the police came in and and have sort of scooted them out. Um, I think the city uh, is trying to accommodate everybody as best as possible. I think it's an issue that's tough, and I think it's an issue that's only growing. And I think now more than ever, because winter is coming, um, God, these people need help. And I do appreciate the fact that the city list links to all of the community services that are provided by different organizations. I don't know that everyone that is homeless has access to find them. Um, 
Right. So we might not be perfect, but. I, I You know what? I, I think we're also playing with an unlevel playing field because I think we, because Bloomington does try harder, um, have more per capita. And I don't, I don't have these figures, so maybe I'm completely wrong, but I think per capita, the size, the city of Bloomington probably has more homeless than most other cities in Indiana, um, which makes... And maybe we have more resources. I think we do. I think, I think the two have um, combined to make the problem a little bit bigger and a little bit better at the same time. Yeah, and it says that cities are rated based on non-discrimination laws, the municipality as an employer, municipal services, law enforcement, and the city leadership's public position on equality. And it sounds, to me, it sounded like the index was more um, talking about in relation to LGBTQ and... um, I, I think that's only part of it. I, I don't think right. that, that is the entirety. Um, and I think that's another issue we have uh-huh. to look at. I think, um, I know there have been some problems on the B line, and I believe we've had some LGBT discrimination, although by and large I think it is tremendously better, as we talked about a little bit last week. Um, what ability does the city have to make everything right? I, I, I know the patrolling on the B line is up. Um, to mm-hmm. my knowledge, the incidents are down. Um, but it's it's a bit like what what happened in Las Vegas. Um, not everything can be guarded against. And how, as a city, do we better? protect the rights of everybody, um, including the people that so often feel they don't have any rights. Okay, well, let me ask you this, because here's a quote. Um, The mayor said, we know that we are stronger as a community when each individual, regardless of race, sex, religion, disability, sexual orientation or gender identity is able to fully contribute to his or her talents. And so should socioeconomic status be added to that list? You know? I do know. I'm trying to think of how to answer it. <laughs> because I don't know if that is in the purview of the city to determine. I mean, how how, how does the city... Um, equal that playing field. I don't know. I mean, and if it's not equal here, which which I don't think it, it is completely equal, um, then where would it be? Per- perfect score, this is the third year in a row that, that Bloomington has received this. And this year, we're the only city to receive a perfect score. Um, I'm not sure I would be perfect scoring us, but I think it would be the high 90s if not. I think the city is high 90s is listening and is trying. Um, I was looking at last year's. I couldn't get on to the website last night wasn't working for this year's um, list, but last year's list I thought was odd because it was listing um, each state. 
uh, and and it was like each state was listed as um, sequentially, like every city in each state was listed. So it was almost like the states were ranked, grouped together. Anywho. Well, where did that put us? Uh, and, and I guess in addition to that question, did you notice a pattern? So we have, you know, uh, notorious states would be Indiana, Arizona, Texas, North Carolina, some of the yeah. southern states as being um, particularly less friendly to the LGBT community. Did you see that pan out in what you saw, or did you even think to look for it? Honestly, that's kind of. I was thinking after. about. It. I'd have to go back, Rach, and I'm having some connectivity issues, but um, yeah. Uh, so I think now um, maybe let's shift gears, and uh, we're going to take a look at our music feature for tonight, Frank Ocean. With a background that is equal parts Southern California and Louisiana. I kind of like both of those. Frank Ocean has been publishing or pushing the boundaries of the R&B scene since the late 2000. Ocean owes his some of his success to the many featured projects he's collaborated on, along with prolific musicians like John Legend, Beyonce, Tyler the Creator, and John Mayer. His first album, Channel Orange, came out in 2012 and was a huge success. It was nominated for six Grammys and took home the award for Best Urban Contemporary Album. And now from Channel Orange, let's hear Thinking About You by Frank Ocean. A tornado flew around my room before you came. Excuse the mess it made. It usually doesn't rain in Southern California, much like Arizona. My eyes don't shed tears, but body poor when I'm thinking about you. Oh, no, no, no. I've been thinking about you. You no, no, no. I've been thinking about you. Do you think about me still? Do you, do you, or do you not? Yes, of course. I remember, how could I forget? How could I forget? 
Okay, you were you were listening to Thinking About You from Frank Ocean's Orange Channel. So yeah, so Rage, what else uh, is going on in the news this week? You know what? I think where we're at now is talking about pink washing, and you yeah. talk about a political football. So the basic premise of this, um, Israel has a, a tourism campaign that's very LGBT geared, um, mm-hmm. trying to promote LGBT tourism and also has been used then by opponents um, as saying that they are trying to use LGBT issues to support more settlements in Gaza and the West Bank. Um, and this created, my God, both sides have arguments that I think are legitimate. Um, I think the concerns are very, very real for the LGBT community, particularly for people that are um, not Israeli and living in, in those areas. Um, right, right. So so the concern is that pinkwashing is a deliberate strategy to conceal the continuing so this is from a New York Times article uh, a deliberate strategy to conceal the continuing violations of Palestinians human rights behind an image of modernity signified by Israeli gay life let's paraphrase that um I think what they're saying is that the Israeli government is using the LGBT issue to justify what they are doing, and the other side is using the LGBT issue to say, my God, this is just propaganda. Um, And and as I was saying before, there's truth on both sides to this issue. I think the... um, I did some research, and I was... Okay, a recent Pew Research Center poll stated only 1% of the Palestinian respondents believe that homosexuality is morally acceptable. All right, so let's take a look at that from the other side. Basically, that's saying 99% of the population said it's not morally acceptable. What does that mean to these people? Of the Israeli population? 
uh, no, of the um, Palestinian population. Okay, okay, okay. Um, the Palestinian Authority has no law to protect LGBT, LGBT people. Um, in the Gaza, Hamas punishes homosexuality behavior with up to 10 years in prison. Um, gay men are lashed in Qatar and Saudi Arabia, tortured in Egypt. Um, all right, this is extreme. Um, buried alive in Afghanistan and can be hung Whoa. in Iran. Whoa. Where, where do you go with that? Um, I think it's a political football that, that both sides are using and... I don't know how to change the behavior if 99% of the population is truly anti-gay. I mean, do, do you trust the, the Pew Research Center? Are, are these really facts? And if they are, um, how do we combat the hatred? And so, so that's the punishment. And I'm just curious how much of that is being carried through, you know? Yeah. If that's the law, how often is that happening? I yeah, I I, I don't know. That's what that's what I'm saying. If 99% of the population thinks it's morally deplorable, um what does that mean? Yeah. Same token, um taking a look at Chechnya, Recent things going on there are just unbelievable as well. Oh, shall I? Shall I read you a little bit? Um, so, so this conversation uh, we're now moving into is uh, the Russian Federation um, in the Caucasus state of Chechnya. Homosexuals are being targeted in what the United Nations is calling one of the most concerning conflicts of modern times, um, which is a Chechnya's gay purge. Uh, last week, the BBC published a har harrowing account of Maxim Lapinov, one of the many recent victims of Chechnya's crackdown on homosexual men in the Muslim-majority caucus caucus state. This story continues a narrative stretching back years regarding the ultra-conservative conservative state's de detention and illegal extortion of individuals identifying with the LGBT community. So, what is the cause of these events? Are they substantiated? And who's been addressing these issues so far? Accusations have been leveled against Chechnyan officials, stating they are complicit with the civil rights violations. So where does this leave us? First, is it true? Yeah. Second, it, it has been, um, where was that? Lupinov's description of events largely matches previous reports leading to credence to the prior journalistic investigations. Um, why are the authorities slow to react? Chechnya is functionally a semi-autonomous region of Russia. Ever since the fall of the USSR, despite incorporation with Russia in 2000, Chechnya has largely been left alone in its own devices. Russian Minister of Foreign Affairs, Sergei Lubinov, 
contends that variety of early reports varying they did not contain a single correct fact. Yeah, and apparently there's a a Russian pop star. Right, disappeared. Um, yeah, haven't heard from him since August of this year. Conflicting reports have been issued by the um, Russian LGBT network and the Chechen authorities. Um, they believe they have confirmation um, of an earlier post that he is okay. Um yeah, I don't know. And uh, Chechnya is a hyper-religious state, um, and they also have um, laws prohibiting uh, acts uh, like sodomy. Um, yeah. I, you know, it, it comes back again, and we're seeing a, a real push here. You know, we talked last week about how I felt, by and large, my existence in rural America is better than it has been, but that is despite the current administration and the right-wing politics that are driving, I feel, us in a similar direction. Um so are these people just farther down the rabbit hole than we are? Are these things really happening? And and how do we substantiate it? Um, both in the West Bank and Gaza and in Chechnya and here. Um, it's hard to set thousands of miles away and know what is truly happening. And, and more importantly, know how to combat it. Is is there anything that you feel like we can do here? Like, what what would you like us to see us doing better here in the United States in terms of rights? Oh, what Abe Lincoln say? I, I I'm a paraphraser, and I'm a, Go a ahead. I'm a poor paraphraser. If you want if you want to get something done, don't pass a law change the sentiment of the people and I think there are forces trying to solidify um, chosen Bible verses to negatively reflect LGBT life and totally disregarding other things um, and I'm not sure how to how to combat that um, because it's cultural yeah, but I think I think it's being fed. That's the problem. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think people necessarily. I think hate is taught. Um, I think people can disagree. I disagree with a lot of people, and I and I don't necessarily um, choose everybody's lifestyle for myself. But you certainly, I certainly draw a line on how I react to that person. If a person's kind and honest. Um, I don't have to agree with everything they do. And I think what's happening now is um, more of a, a militant, strong-arm push to convert people to right-wing political, I don't want to say domination, but you know what? Is it more like we can't... We're, we can't agree to disagree like you wish people would like as long as you're a nice you know person we can have these disagreements but 
it's it's becoming less live and let live. I truly think live and let live has run its course and we're in live, live and, and let die. Uh, well, live and let live. I think we're live and help live now. Yeah. You know, um, disagreement is totally cool. It is self-imposing your view that someone else has to live the same lifestyle that you live in using religion to determine that. Um, particularly when they're only taking little bits of the religion and, and tweaking it to meet. I, I'm sounding radical, and that's not what I'm trying to do, honestly. Um, but it's kind of how I feel. Yeah, I think we're being pushed into a more... Um, <clears throat> the people that are on the fence are being... Push, pushed over the fence. Yes, they, they agree with a point. The other side. And then they agree with another point, and then pretty soon they bought the whole wagon when maybe that's not really how they feel about everything. Um, it's kind of like holding the budget. You know, this, this happens. It, it was a new thing a few years ago. Now, what, every three months, every six months, oh, my God, our government is not going to have a budget because it, it's has to be voted on. And to get that through, they hold these articles up for you. We have to pass this with this to, or we won't say we will fund the government. Um, how do we go to a society that, you know what, I don't agree with you, but you're not hurting anybody. Live your life. And sometimes we just, we, we're not going to have all the answers. And we'll have to live with that too. <laughs> um, so, so let's go ahead and uh, sh uh, shift to another track from our featured artist, Frank Ocean. This is Bad Religion from Channel Orange. Taxi driver, be my shrink for the hour. Leave the meter running. It's rush hour, so take the streets if you wanna. Just outrun the demons, could you? He said, Allahu Akbar. I told him, Don't curse me. Oh boy, you need prayer. Guess it couldn't hurt me If it brings me to my knees It's a bad religion Ooh, quite in love To me it's nothing but one man comes In cyanide and much time Balanced on my head like stick knives I can't tell you the truth about my disguise 
I can't trust no one And you say Allahu Akbar I told them don't curse me But boy you need prayer I guess they couldn't hurt me yeah. If it brings me to my knees It's a bad religion Nothing but a one-man cult In cyanide in my styrofoam cup I can never make them love me Never make them love me No, no, oh. it's a, It's a bad religion To be in love with someone who can never love you This is listener-supported WFHB, Bloomington, Bedford, Ellettsville, Nashville, Community Radio for South Central Indiana, and online at wfhb.org. Right now, it's 64 degrees Fahrenheit in Bloomington. Tonight, it's going to be cloudy with a low of 49. Tomorrow on Friday, there is a 80% chance of rain after 2 p.m. with a high of 51 degrees. And on Friday night, there are, is a chance of rain and a chance of snow maybe with a low of 33. And on Saturday, it's going to be nice and sunny, but only a high of 45, and on Sunday, a high of 48. Now back to Blooming Out here on WFHB. Welcome back to Blooming Out. You were listening to Frank Ocean with Bad Religion from songs from Channel Orange. Joining us in the studio is director of the LGBTQ Plus Center at Indiana University, Doug Botter. Hello. Happy to be here. Ah, nice to have you. I have known Doug for I don't know how many years. Not long enough. Oh, wow. I like this guy. (laughs) Hey, I would like to say um, just a few things about the LGBT Center. and what it had done for me in my early years trying to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, being a non-student, it was still a resource for me. And, and I don't even remember, Doug, how I got turned on to you guys. But I remember many times um, coming into the office and seeking out Carol as I was in a suit and a tie and wow. trying to make sense of my life that I was not making very good sense of at the time and her just spending time and talking with me. um, I have so many memories of that and what a valuable resource the center was to me. And Carol was a wonderful colleague who um, bridged the gap not just with students not just with students, but with um, people in the community as well. And I, I'm sure the conversations you had with Carol then led to um, 
establishing a wonderful relationship, encouraging students to come over to the cafe. And, you know, one thing sort of led to another, but it, it was those personal relationships that we formed with people over the years that have led to Bloomington being the queer-friendly community it is. Well, this was well before the cafe. Yes. Oh, I mean, this was I, I'm a long that. time I'm ago. That. I'm hearing that, but one thing sort of led to another over sure. a long, because we've been around now for 23 years. Wow, yeah. is that right? We opened in 94. I would love to hear some of the progression that's happened. I mean, 23 years ago to now, what what are you seeing and doing differently in yeah. that time? Yeah, well, um, I should mention that when the office opened in 94, and, and students find this remarkable, the state legislators were threatening with, to withhold a half million dollars from the university budget if the office opened. That's how much controversy the opening of the office created among legislators on both sides of the House in Indianapolis. And Miles Brand, who was president at that time, wisely suggested that the office would be funded privately. So he got the political nuts off of his back. Um, Sadly, the way that was announced was awkward, and um, um, some students felt betrayed by that. Uh, It it, it, from a practical standpoint, it worked out very well because we we had a secure um, budget and then alumni started supporting us and we have this very active, uh, soon to be renamed LGBTQ Alumni Association that offers scholarships for students, including when students come out and are cut off from financial aid. I think we're the only school in the nation that has that kind of support. Wow. So um, there's a lot of creative stuff, creative stuff that's happened, but... It's because um, this community was surrounded by support. And what I often say is the office enabled a lot of our, not just the queer community, but a lot of our allies to come out of the closet and work with us Um, in City Hall, in social service agencies, in the Monroe County School District, in faith communities. And we did a lot of networking during those early years and still are doing that. Changes I've seen... um, one is more straight kids are coming out of the closet as allies and coming in and mm-hmm. saying, what can we do? How can we be more supportive of our queer friends? That's beautiful. That was especially true during the marriage equality movement when dozens of students were working out of the office and the majority of them were straight students. It was really, really inspiring. Really? It was, wow. absolutely. Um, um, I guess the other thing I would say is uh, the fact that we've added the plus now to the office means that students are identifying in new ways. GNL and BNT don't work for a lot of students. They are genderqueer. They are um, asexual. They're pansexual, polyamorous, uh, non-binary, and, and the list goes on, and we just couldn't add all the letters. So we surveyed the campus last year at this time, and the response largely from students was add the Q and add the plus. And we'll be happy with that. And not everyone's happy, but a lot of people felt that's much more welcoming uh, for the current generation. So, And so, Doug, what are some of the top reasons a student comes into the center looking for resources? More so these days than in the past to be advocates, um, either for themselves. They want to... Um, uh, the Pride Film Festival that happens. Now, that's, that's some years back, but it's a great example of what continues to happen. That started because two students came in the office um, with a desire to um, 
they had a they had a class project, and we hooked them up with Danielle McClellan, and they had an evening of gay films that was so queer films that was so popular that they did it the next year, and that was 16 years ago. It's still in existence. So some of these projects sort of take on a life of their own. Some of them are just once and done for a class, or people want to know how to get involved in the community, and. Um, we're going to recommend that some people who want to volunteer might be helpful to the program here. Absolutely. Or uh, Bloomington Pride, get involved in the PRISM Youth Group um, here in the community. There are so many other opportunities for people beyond the office. So I think a number of things have sort of spun off of the office over the years, and that's that's been exciting. Um, did I answer your question? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Would you take a second? There are terms now that I think maybe a lot of the general population does not know. Uh, there are some oh, terms question. that I don't know that oh. I'm still, I'm still <laughs> yes. learning, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, start with, um, okay, LGBTQ. Yeah. I think most of us have a pretty good idea. Gay, and, lesbian, transsexual, bi- bisexual, and queer, which is... A little more inclusive? Yes. The Q used to be questioning as well, but most people today uh, are students who like the word queer wanted that included because it, it's more of an umbrella term. Um, and, mm-hmm. and people who don't necessarily uh, associate with the other letters know that they're unique in some ways, and they, they've reclaimed that word. So then the plus. Yes. Th- I guess that's where I was going. Can yeah. you give us a couple of well, plus, um, pluses? No. Yeah. Plus signs. Nine non-binary are people who d- d- um, uh, do not identify as either male or female, um, and trans is too restrictive for them. Right. Um, so um, pansexual are people. I just was on a panel with someone who uses the term pansexual to define herself. Um, themselves. Uh, I have to think because some people's, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. different pronouns are being used, but so this person identifies as, as uh, using the pronouns them. Pansexual relating to uh, um, being attracted to personality and not necessarily genitalia or um, uh, okay. sexual uh, orientation. Um, uh, I'm thinking asexual or people. Th- that's somewhat similar in the sense that um, really attracted more to personality, but it's not so much erotic or romantic as just um, not sexual. Right, void uh, of. Right, right. So, And the list could go on, and I, I probably am not doing justice to all of those, but the point is people are finding ways to define themselves and to allow them to do that. And then for me to ask the question, tell me what pansexual means to you. Tell me what, and and we get sometimes a variety of definitions, but I think we're more open to encouraging people to define their life experience, uh, their way of defining themselves, and I think that's really healthy. I think there has been a lot of stumbling in both the LGBTQ plus community and the Mm non-LGBTQ plus community about they and them, yeah. the pronouns. And the pronoun, right? I mean, nervous he, about messing up. Well, yeah. I mess up all the time, and yeah. I yeah. feel so, I. so terrible. So do I. And I and I just heard on the panel that I was referring to that they as just now the most popular word in the Oxford dictionary, dictionary as a new definition. It's it's now being affirmed as a singular uh, 
uh, English term, which which surprised me. It still confuses the what hell is the word they. Oh, okay. So that because that was my stumbling block. Yeah, is it, it it is for people. But I've also found people who prefer that to be very patient and and generally, if you're doing your best to remember how they identify and using the proper pronoun, um, even if you mess up, they're gonna they might correct you, and you'll eventually get used to that. Or not, but but if if you're doing your best, I find people really very forgiving and very um, open. I have found not so much. Not so okay. much. It depends. Right. Yeah. Um, and and oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because you don't want to mess up, and 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 then and then it creates more of a divide. It's like I want us to. We're on the same side. We're on the human side. Sure. And moreover, right? you want to be forgiving and if someone isn't getting it at what point do you become less tolerant i mean yeah that, that and less happen. tolerant with me because i certainly am a failure because i'm trying to use <laughs> but aren't we all and oh, i think you try oh, and keep honey. you keep the dialogue going you right know, you just do that um i i did a major faux, faux pas uh, not too many um, weeks ago in relating to a student, and I felt terrible about it because what I re- realized in talking to another student who identifies as non-binary, that this person also is probably on the autism spectrum. Uh-huh. When I described the encounter in which this student left really annoyed with me, and I didn't get it, and this conversation helped, and we've been able to sort of go back and, and reclaim that relationship. But I needed to, to realize, oh my goodness, I completely missed this opportunity. And so I went to a trusted student and I said, can you help me with this? I learn from students all the time. And I think, again, that approach helps. Say, I, I'm trying here, but I'm 68 years old and I've lost a few brain cells and, you know, I, I, I need some help with this. Uh, keeping up with the changes is a real challenge. I had, um, okay, all my employees, almost all my employees, I a- absolutely loved. I At had, Rachel's Cafe. Oh, sure. Yeah. When I had the cafe, I had great people working for me. Um, and I had one in particular, Cilantro, I am sorry, and I'm apologizing I love to that you name. on air. Yeah. Well, I would constantly misgender them. Misgender is a good term. and I mean, that's that's exactly what we do and not purposely. And, and, and I continued, and, and it wasn't, oh my God, it was not deliberate. Mm-hmm. It was my um, inability to shift my, my use of language, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I met with Garrett, who was another employee who I love dearly mm-hmm. as well. And she was helping me do some things to promote the show and to promote... My Instagram, which I'm hoping to use to help oh. promote the show too, yeah, which is to get Rachel on Instagram, R A C H A E L. Um, anyway, Garrett um, really explained the they them to me a mm-hmm. lot and helped me be more at peace with it. It's a process. It is, and we need to give ourselves a little credit and 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 be patient and recognize some people are are not going to relate to us. Um, you, you don't write them off, but you keep trying. And um, I have found, I mean, my experience has been that, that students are willing to help me learn in the process. And that's all I can hope for. Well, it's but ever evolving, too. It is ever evolving. And, and, and it's challenging in the best sense of the word. I, I think it, it's partly what keeps me um, learning and um, trying to be sensitive. So, 
anyway. Well, here's a future apology to anyone that I do. <laughs> That's miss. not fair. That's not fair. <laughs> no, don't do that. But but you see the 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 avoiding it all and not taking the risk, I think is even worse. So you just don't you don't go there. You know you avoid the topic. You um you don't talk to people who are who identify as not. You don't ask the questions. I think that's far worse. So we keep trying and learning and and hopefully be patient and on the other side be diligent as well. Yeah, those are two good words. Okay, we've been speaking with Doug Botter, director of the Indiana University LGBTQ Plus Cultural Center here in Blooming Out. Um, we will be returning with Doug after a short music break. Um, the second track from our featured artist, Frank Ocean, entitled Forrest Gump from Channel Orange. I want to see pom-poms from the stairs. Come on, come on. My fingertips and my lips, they burn from the cigarettes. Forrest Gump, you run my mind, boy. Running on my mind, boy. Forrest Gump, I know you're Forrest. I know you wouldn't hurt a beetle, but you're so buff and so strong. I'm nervous, Forrest. Forrest Gump, my fingertips and my lips, they burn from the cigarettes. Forrest Gump, you run my mind, boy. Running on my mind, boy Forrest Gump, I saw you came, Forrest I was screaming, run 44 But you kept running past the end zone Oh, where'd you go, Forrest? Forrest Gump, my fingertips and my lips they burn from the cigarettes Forrest Gump, you run my mind, boy Running on my mind, boy Forrest Gump, forest green Forest blues I'm remembering you This is love, I know it's true
And you are listening to Frank Ocean with Forrest Gump from the Channel Orange album. We are now back to our discussion with Doug Botter. And I wanted to say a word about something significant uh, that happened this last weekend, um, and that is the passing of Ken Gross Lewis. In referring earlier to the opening of the office in 1994, it was Ken who was chancellor of the university at that time who fought for our right to exist as a community and to help to the office to open. He cut through a lot of the political um, dissension and uh, opposition, and um, he was a consummate administrator, but he also was a strong advocate for student issues. And, um, and over the years, uh, he was very supportive of the office. He was the first contributor to the office with a sizable check that started our library, and he was just this quiet, behind-the-scenes friend of the community. So I just want to acknowledge that and give thanks for Ken's life. And Thank um, you. And re- mention how important it is to have allies, which this community has a lot of here in Bloomington. I wish I would have known and yeah. we could have recognized him. Um, That's all right. Yes. Yeah, very humble man. Hey, you had a couple other things that we have coming up that maybe you would like to introduce. Sure. Um, and they're happening the same week, actually, the 14th, 15th, and 16th of November. Um, portions of the AIDS quilt will return to Bloomington. Uh, they've been on campus in years past. Um, it's significant because. The gentleman who um, sort of created the image of the quilt is going to be speaking in Indianapolis this Sunday, Cleve Jones, at a huge dinner called the Harvey Milk Dinner. And then portions of the AIDS quilt will be in the Alumni Hall, 14th, 15th, and 16th. I think Positive Link is the main sponsor for that, and they'll be looking for volunteers to um, greet people um, in Alumni Hall as they uh, view the quilt. Many people today don't even know what the quilt is. So I recognize that, but it was a really important symbol uh, that uh, sort of gave a face or humanized uh, the whole AIDS epidemic. And uh, to remember that still are, people are still struggling with AIDS, um, that's part of why that's returning. The other thing uh, that I wanted to mention is the Quarryland Men's Chorus will be doing a concert the Sunday before Thanksgiving. 7 o'clock at the Buskirk Chumley on November the 19th. It will be a mixed concert, but it will include the Tyler Clemente Suite, and that's remembering remembering a young man who committed suicide because he was harassed by his roommate for being gay. And Tyler's mother will be with us, and we, we are thrilled that Sylvia McNair will be singing with us. I don't think I need to mention who she is. Um, John Hamilton, who happens to be the mayor of Bloomington, will be singing with us as well. One I play- love that. One playing the mother, the other playing the father. We're thrilled about it. It's, and we're also being uh, uh, co-sponsored or a number of partners from youth-serving agencies will be there that night to talk about or to, uh, during intermission and such, to indicate how they support youth who struggle with bullying. So it's going to be a real community celebration, November 19th. 7 o'clock, Buskirk Chumley. Oh, that sounds like a... Yes. That sounds great. (laughs) It will be good. And then the quilt, Alumni Hall, uh, for people who don't know, Alumni Hall is inside the Union, That's correct. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, it's the big room on the um, west West end end, of... Is that right? Yes. Yes, Yeah, west end of the Mm -hmm. Union on the mezzanine floor, I believe. 
Uh, there'll be lots of signs all over. And for people who haven't experienced, it's a bit of history. Um, there are families in this community who suffered the loss of uh, friends and family. I know uh, Ryan White's uh, quilt a panel is always returned uh, to Bloomington because he was an Indiana boy, um, poster boy for the AIDS quilt many years ago as a high school kid. So um, again, it's both a historic but also a contemporary issue that we're still dealing with. You spoke to something just a minute ago about bullying and being someone that actually is not from Bloomington. I'm from the Bloomington area. Yeah. I, I, I grew up and I, and I still live in Brown County. Um, what are your thoughts on how do we branch out into the rural communities that are not quite where Bloomington is right now and help them and the kids and, and adults that are in the surrounding communities? Um, the office has done a little bit of that kind of outreach. I would say the PRISM Youth Group here in this community has probably done more than I'm aware of any other group because they uh, draw people from some of the rural sure communities. They do. There are 100 plus young people who participate in various activities of the PRISM Youth Group, and I can't remember uh, the days they meet, but um, they have a significant outreach. And just last year, that group spoke to all of the um, uh, teachers in the Monroe County school system during a uh, in-service day, all were required to do, and they did a training on the language, um, various identities, um, the experience of bullying. And um, I think some of them have been invited to other school districts. So, Wonderful. So one of the things is, is to help other school districts, teachers, students who struggle in Nashville or Spencer or whatever, to know that there are resources here that are willing to reach out to some of the other communities. And sometimes it just takes one mom or one administrator or a brave young person to say, we need help with this issue, and um, finding some people of goodwill to work together to help that to happen. There are resources here that we can share with those communities. I guess I'd like to say, too, to the people in the surrounding communities, as, as I am, um, the LGBTQ plus center on campus does have, besides kind-hearted people willing to listen to you and um, give their thoughts on, on where you're at and, and options that you might have. They also have um, DVDs and um, a pretty extensive book library yes. um, and are a resource um, for maybe you even figuring out where you are on the spectrum. Sure, sure. And, and that is a journey that's very individual and take some people a long time. I'm thinking of our outreach to the Spencer community, and we should give Carol Fisher some and, and Helen some credit for that. But Quarryland has sung at their uh, June festival. I mean, that has become what I think is called the, the largest small town queer pride event in the nation or something <laughs> like that. Oh, really? But, but it's an example of how a few people got things going. And I, I noticed there was just some information about them purchasing a new building in Spencer. Uh, this would have been unheard of a few years ago, but it, it just takes a couple. It's the Margaret Mead quote about just taking a few people to make a difference in the world. And um, so it can happen. Uh, so along the, that, those lines, I, I'm curious what vision do you have for the center on campus? And where would you like to see it, you know, in the next five, ten years? 
20 years down, wow. the, down the road. Yeah, well, we're not going to add any more letters because the sign would be too big. <laughs> no, we're no, alphabet I, people I have, now. I have no idea um, at this point, but interestingly enough, we're doing a, uh, a survey again in the early new uh, year in January to find out exactly what students are looking for. I it depends on the need. It, it of course depends on the need, and we've been try, we've tried very much to be responsive to student needs over the years. Sometimes we've done a very good job of that, but we're asking them to share a vision. Um, I'm Great. close to retirement, so I I I will probably think about that, um, but I don't have an easy answer to that, and I don't want to be the one to define the vision for the office because, I mean, there are people who would hope it's not in existence down the road. I think we still have lots to teach people and to learn from each other. And we have just become, in recent years, a part of the other cultural center mix. We used to report to the dean of students. Now we're part of the Office for Diversity, Equity, and Multicultural Affairs. And what's significant about that for me is that we're beginning to recognize the intersectionality of identities, that people aren't just queer. They're black and Muslim and queer or uh, non-binary and whatever, and multiple identities, I think, are what the center needs to um, work on and, and think about and program for. Um, in recent years, we've done a whole lot more collaboration with the other cultural centers, and I think that's really the, one of the directions we, sh we need to continue to move. I think it's kind of nice that um, the center's being from having to be privately funded yes. and removed from the university to be drawn into the fold a little bit and be included yeah. is um, a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah, and and that happened over time. So, you know, 20 years is a couple generations, I guess, and it probably seems, for students who are only here for a couple years, they can be pretty impatient, but the students we work with are very committed and are very grateful that someone had the vision to at least get this started. And I'll, I'll refer once again to Ken Gross-Lewis. Uh, back in the late 80s, there was a vision for this. And we've done some good work over the years. Um, but a lot of credit goes to the students who come in with their enthusiasm and their ideas and, and their own vision. Well, I would like to say before we, we go to our last song, Thank you for coming to the show, and a personal thank you for all that you and Carol and the center has done for me personally. Um, we're nearing the end of our broadcast for this week. Before we go, we're going to play one more Frank Ocean track entitled Lost off of Channel Orange. Big footprint on my bed. Triple weight, couldn't wait the love I got for the girl. And I just wanna know why you ain't going to work. Boss ain't working you like this. He can't take care of you like this. Now you're lost, lost in the heat of it all. Girl, you know you're lost, lost in the thrill of it all. Miami, Amsterdam, Tokyo, Spain, love. 
Okay, thank you all for turning, tuning in tonight. Next week, we will have Frankie Presliff, um, and we will be talking about not only he and what his husband are doing with fostering children, but the amazing mother that he had that was dear to me and that unfortunately we lost several years ago. Thank you all for tuning in. See you, hear you, hear us next week. only LGBTQ plus radio program airs every Thursday evening here on WFHB at 5.30 p.m. You can also stream us 24 hours a day, seven days a week on WFHB.org or BloomingOut.com. Thank you for listening. Please tune in again next week to Blooming Out. Blooming Out.